In the epistle to the Ephesians, St. Paul tells us, walk then as children of the light. And the holy cure of ours is known to have once said, our guardian angels are our most faithful friends because they are with us day and night, always and everywhere. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Theologians teach us that it is certain that holy places, for example, churches, convents, monasteries, that they all have a special guardian angel to protect it, to watch over it, and to guard them against sacrilege. And for this reason, the church prays at the night prayers, which we call Compline, that, the angel, that we ask the angel to watch over the church and all who dwell in it. And again at the asparagus that we sing this morning, that final collect, we again invoke that angel asking his protection even throughout the course of this mass that we are offering. Now one of the occupations of the angels is of course to offer our prayers to God. We know this from the Catechism, and we learn it from the book of Apocalypse. And another angel came, it says, and stood before the altar having a, a golden censer, and there was given to him much incense that he should offer of the prayers of all the saints, and the smoke of the incense of the prayers of the saints ascended up before God from the hand of the angel. Now, the angels, who are part of the church, the church triumphant, join us, the church militant, in our worship of God, especially at Mass, just as one day we are destined to join them in the adoration of God at the altar in heaven. After all, remember, the angels form but one church with us, and we truly worship the same almighty God. St. John Chrysostom said once that he saw a vision in which he saw many angels dressed in dazzling white garments with heads deeply bowed surrounding the altar as warriors standing in the presence of their king. That's what they do at the Mass. The whole vocation, yes, an angel has a vocation too, the whole vocation of the angels is twofold. First, to honor and glorify God, and secondly, to help men save their souls. And where better can they accomplish this twofold responsibility than at one and the same time than right here in this Mass, as we too gather with them around the altar. Because we don't see any of these things with our bodily eyes or hear them with our ears, I think that many of us Catholics, even the most pious among us, at times we have a tendency to regard all of these truths that I've just mentioned and the ones that I will mention, 
as almost mere pious thoughts, some devotion, but it doesn't really mean much. Maybe it's a bit of poetic license of the church. Or at best, we think of this whole world of angels as something occurring in a far-off land. It couldn't possibly be occurring right here, right now, at this holy mass, in your very presence. However, these things are happening at this moment, in this church, and at every mass. You see, the angels take part in our public worship. They both hear what we say, and they do what is asked. And the angels are truly involved in all of our liturgical ceremonies. Father Gear, he wrote a very wonderful book on the holy sacrifice of the Mass. He says of the angels that they actually look forward to the time of Holy Mass in order that the intercession they then make for us may be more availing and more acceptable before God. And so, in every Mass, look for the angel. At the foot of the altar, we recite the Confitior, I confess, in order to make us more worthy to ascend with the priest to the altar to speak directly to Almighty God. I confess to Almighty God and to the Blessed Mary Ever-Virgin and to Blessed Michael, the Archangel. And then we beseech them all to pray to the Lord our God for me. And the people say the same prayer, and rather the servers say the same prayer in the name of the people. Now, St. Michael, he is one of the three angels actually mentioned in sacred scripture, along with Gabriel and Raphael, and he is the leader of all the choirs of the angels, the angelic warrior who handles the sword of the power and of the justice of God. He defends the church with this sword against all those who persecute her. He it is that hurls the rebellious spirits into the pit of hell. And even now at this moment, it is he that fights against them on behalf of the church and of all souls. We, just as the angels, are created by God and are therefore the children of the same Heavenly Father. We form one family with the angels and are therefore, it can be deduced, brothers with Saint Michael, though his angelic dignity far exceeds ours. And as such, he takes part in our battles just as our brothers would, looking out for his clumsy little brothers so prone to sin and imperfection. And although St. Michael as an angel did not need the redemption, he was nonetheless sent to minister to us who have been redeemed in the precious blood of Jesus. And so in the Confitier, we confess with great sorrow in our hearts our sins, and we mean to repent. We ask 
St. Michael's help to amend our lives. And oh, we know from Scripture how the angels rejoice over the conversion of one sinner and the perseverance of many just. Again, later on, there is an angel that comes up right before the gospel. The priest, bowing low over the altar, says, The Munda Kor. And he makes reference to the lips of Isaiah being purified. Well, they were purified by a seraphim, the highest ranking of angels. St. Michael then comes, about, comes back again in a high mass when he is invoked at the blessing of incense at the offertory. The priest prays very quietly so that only the servers can hear it. Through the intercession of St. Michael the Archangel, standing at the right hand of, of the altar of incense, may the Lord vouchsafe to bless this incense and receive it as an odor of sweetness. Now in heaven, St. Michael the Archangel stands at the right of the altar of incense, as scripture does tell us, and he pre presents before the face of God the incense of prayer and of sacrifice. That's what the incense in Mass symbolizes, after all. And the choirs of angels in heaven, they are constantly paying homage to the divine Lamb on the throne. The church, then, at the offertory, wishes to imitate the angels. Yes, humans can imitate angels. And so the church imitates them at the offertory when the altar is enveloped in clouds of incense and we offer up this same sacrificial lamb of God to the Heavenly Father. Then later on there is the beautiful moment of the preface and the sanctus, the last prayer before the canon of the Mass. The angels in heaven right now enjoy a blessed peace and calm of loving and praising God for all eternity in heaven without ever having the fear or anxiety of losing God. They, in God's presence, never grow tired of singing their praises. We, on the other hand, we, on the other hand, when we offer our prayer, we do it with many distractions, and we grow tired of prayer after only a short time. We have sinned and are unworthy of being heard by a God who is so infinitely good. So, in a great spirit of humility, we ask in the preface, we ask God to suffer us to join our weak, trembling voices with the angelic choirs in the chant which the angels sing in heaven, that beautiful sanctus of which the prophet Isaiah speaks when he described a vision that he was given. And they, the seraphim, cried one to another and said, Holy, 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 the Lord God of hosts, all the earth is full of thy glory. And which St. John also heard in the Apocalypse, he heard the heavenly canticle, 
Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. St. John Chrysostom says it very beautiful, words worth meditating upon. On high, the angelic choir sings glory to the Lord. On earth, men sing in church the same canticle in choirs. In heaven, the seraphim sing aloud their thrice holy, and on earth, the same canticle resounds from the mouth of the assembled congregation. Thus, heaven and earth unite in a festive celebration. Only moments after that, at the consecration, angels come again, just as they did at the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. Heavenly adorers surround the Savior in the Blessed Sacrament, just as St. Gregory the Great tells us at the moment of the consecration. Heaven opens at the mere words of the priest, and the choirs of angels surround the altar. But finally, only three prayers after the consecration. We ask that in the supplices te rogamus, we ask that God command that this sacrifice be carried by the hands of thy holy angel to thine altar on high. Who is this angel? Did you ever wonder? No one really knows for sure, but many of the saints and theologians have had a deep devotion to this angel that in every mass carries the sacrifice up to heaven to God. Well, some do say that this angel is the guardian angel of this church and of this altar. Others say, no, it's, it is actually the priest's guardian angel, the priest who is offering the mass. But then the most common opinion is that it is St. Michael, because he is the guardian angel of the Eucharist and of the church militant. In fact, they tell us that because St. Michael is the guardian of the Holy Eucharist, that as the priest offers mass, after the consecration, he watches especially over the chalice containing the precious blood, lest the priest by accident knock it over and spill its contents. My dear faithful, there is much more to our world than what we see with our eyes and hear with our ears. Angelic creatures all around, everywhere and at all times. This is reality, but a reality that we ignore much too often. We go around during the day speaking to men about material things, when our conversation, the saints tell us, is destined to be with angels forever. So try, beginning today, and especially at this Mass, to be more aware of these beautiful creatures of God. We are in the presence of angels. Walk then as children of light, destined one day to keep company with the angels around the altar in heaven. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.